0: Today's passage is Psalm 19, verses 1 through 3. The heavens declare the glory of God, and the sky above proclaims its handiwork. Day to day pours out speech, and night to night reveals knowledge. There is no speech, nor are there words whose voice is not heard. This is the word of the Lord. You may be seated. Well, if you are visiting with us, let me just say welcome to you. So glad to have you here and with us this morning. If you're a little bit newer to the church, also glad that you're here. Um, We're taking a little break over the next four weeks from our study in the Gospel of Luke and our um, practice as a church is to typically preach through books of the Bible. That's what you can typically expect on a, on a Sunday morning. But every so often, we as the elders kind of think through those things that we want to communicate to the church from God's word. And maybe it doesn't fit within uh, the the book that we're preaching through. And so we take a little break. And this is one of those times where we're, We're gonna take a little bit of a break and we are going to look with great um, intentionality and, and focus on something that we believe is so important. And that is, what is our mission? What is our purpose? as the people of God. Like, does God actually have a plan and a purpose for what we're doing here? Like, what's the church about? When we gather together, what are we doing? Like, how would we answer that if somebody came and said, what's the church about? What's your life about as an individual Christian? Does God's word speak to us on that issue? I I believe it does. Uh, I think we're gonna see today and in the coming weeks that God has great clarity for us as his people uh, about his plan and his and our purpose in His plan, and and why we're doing this is because I believe that clarity and expectations are so so important. With, without them, you can make some some pretty big mistakes. There's a, a gentleman from the Rocky Mountains in Colorado, who was invited by some deer friends in Minnesota to go deer hunting. Is on the first day of deer hunting season there in Minnesota. They invited their friend uh, to come, and so he, so he leaves the Colorado area. He comes to Minnesota, and they say, all right, this is your first time hunting with us. We want you to have a good experience. So they went to where they were going to hunt. They said, we want you to go straight, go north. When you come to the ridge, plop yourself on that ridge and just stay there because in... And the area below in the meadow, that's where the deer run out. And so you'll get the first shot at these. At these deer, And he said, we're going to hang back here for a little while and then we'll eventually come up and join you. And so they gave him about an hour's head start. And they said, okay, let's, let's start making our way towards him. And so they fanned out and they started coming up and they came upon the ridge where they thought their friend would be. When they got there, he wasn't there. They thought that was awkward. Maybe he shot something or saw something further. And so they said, let's hike a little more. So they hiked and they hiked about two more miles and, and they realized their friend wasn't anywhere to be found. So they got in their car, they went backwards got in their car, and they decided to drive even further down and kind of retrace their steps to see if they could catch and find their friend. Eventually, they found him miles from where they expected him to be. And when they came to him, they said, what are you doing? And and he said, well, he said, you guys said to keep hiking until I came to a ridge. And he said, "I, I have yet to find one. And then it dawned on them their buddy was from where? Colorado. He had hunted in the Rockies. And so his understanding of what a ridge was, was different from these guys who were from Minnesota. And that that lump of dirt that they identified as a ridge, which was only a mile away from where they started, to him was just that, a mile or a mound of dirt. And so he had gone off in the wrong direction because they, they weren't clear. They they didn't have the, they weren't speaking the same language. I think sometimes in church we can say, like, why are we here? What are we doing? And if we're not clear on that, uh, like, I was thinking of a a book I had read on the Civil War and the last few days of the Civil War, and something happened that could have changed the course of our history as a nation. Robert E. Lee retreated from Richmond, Virginia. He stopped protecting the city because he felt, I got these 20,000 troops we're going to regroup. Rather than keep holding off the Union Army, we're going to regroup and try and circle around and catch them by surprise. And so he went on a five-day march with his soldiers, well over a hundred, I think, thirty miles, um, with little rations of food and water to, to regroup at the city where there was a train station where he had sent a communique where they were supposed to bring a train to that station that would be filled with enough rations to feed his 20,000 soldiers, refresh them, and then join up with the other southern armies and reattack the Union soldiers. And so it seemed very clear. We're retreating for the purpose of, of then gathering back together to continue on fighting, but here's what we need. Well, when they got to to the village where they were supposed to be and they got to the train station, everybody was so excited after hiking for, for five days and all out of food and water for the last two, they opened up the trains and inside the trains they were filled with ammunition and not rations. And somewhere in the communication, the, the soldiers who had received the information about what was needed by General Lee that they had misunderstood, and so eventually they didn 't have the strength nor the ability and Lee quickly discovered we can 't keep fighting this war, and he surrendered to ulysses Grant, like being clear and having right expectations and, and making sure that the, the message is being received in the right way is so huge for us, and so what we 're going to do is we 're going to explore God. Are are you clear on what you desire of us? Like uh, what our purpose is in this this world? And like I said, I believe that we're gonna see it. And and some of you might say, I feel like we've done some of this in the past. And you're right, Um, we have. But I wanna share with you something. As a church in the last two years, God has been so kind that we have brought in 75 new members in the last two years to our church. 75 adult members have come and joined our church in the last two years. The last time I really preached with intentionality on what I'm going to share with you over the next few weeks was back really at the start of 2020. You guys remember that year, 2020? Was that a, because everybody remembers everything that was going on in 2020, right? This was the first time they really introduced these things to our church. But let me show you something. In 2020, we were at the old campus off of Valley Center Road, and we were worshiping in three services. And in 2020, on a Sunday morning, we had about 327 people coming. That's kids and adults that were coming to our church in a given Sunday. At the start of 2022, we had about 395 people attending our services on Sunday morning, kids and adults. Uh, Just here, as we start 2024, the average attendance on a Sunday morning is 484 people on a Sunday morning. That means to me that there's a good chance that there's maybe over 150 people that aren't really as clear as others would be as far as like what we're doing here, what we believe God has called us to as as a church. And so so my aim, my goal for all of us, I pray, is to be as clear as we can be from the Word of God. Like, what purpose does He have for us? And then the purpose that He has for for you. And... um, I'm just so excited to be able to look at these things and explore them together because there's going to there's be, I believe for you, a potential freedom and joy that when you are in line with the mission and the plan that God has for us as his people, um, you, are, you are living in what God desires of you. So are you ready to learn? Are you ready to grow? We're going to go and get to it. I want you to open up in your Bibles to Psalm 19. Psalm 19. And I want to begin with what I call our, our, our starting points. If you're a Christian, you would know that in the very first pages of God's word in Genesis 1, we read these very profound words. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Anybody surprised by that statement? I hope not. Genesis 1.1 says, In the beginning God created the heavens and the earth. So one of our starting points as the people of God is that we believe that there is a God who made all things. There's one God who made all things. That's one of our, what I call our starting points for this discussion. We believe that there's a God. We believe that he created everything that was created. But it leads to this question. Why did God create If your kids were to come to you, if a friend were to come to you, say, okay, I'll give you that there's a God who exists and he created everything. But what was his purpose in creation? Why is there something rather than nothing? Was God bored? And so he said, let's make a universe. Was he lonely? I want to make some things to hang out with and, and to play with. Like, why does God do the things that he does? Well, here's where I want to proclaim to you what God's word says. Our starting point is there's a God who made all things, but also that everything that God made was made or created to display his glory. Foundational to our faith as followers of Jesus Christ and our understanding of our place in this world is this right here. There is a God, one God. He made everything, but that everything that he made he made for his glory. And let me show you where we see this in the scriptures. Like, like, if God has a plan and a purpose, we need to understand it. And sure enough, Psalm 19 says, verse 1, The heavens declare the, what? Glory of God. In the sky above, it proclaims his handiwork. And day to day pours out speech. And night to night reveals knowledge. Knowledge of what? Speech of what? About our God. This is what creation is making known. The different parts of creation, what are they doing? They're they're glorifying God and and it just doesn't stop there with with just the skies and the heavens and, and the earth. In Isaiah 53 verse 7, God is speaking through the prophet Isaiah and he says this, he says, Everyone who is called by my name, whom I created for what? My glory, whom I formed and made. The the Bible doesn't just tell us that God created everything. He says, Do you want to know why He created what He created? You included in that creation, it was for His glory. And it's not just that He created everything for His glory, but it's the reason that actually God does anything He does. It's not just that you were brought into existence and the world was brought into existence and the universe was brought into existence. To bring God glory. One of the most famous psalms, one that I've often quoted to make this point is Psalm 23. And that psalm goes something like this, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in paths of righteousness. Look at all the things that God is doing and who's he doing it for? He's doing it for us. He, he's, he's leading us. He's loving us. He's providing for us. He's caring for, for us. He's, he's doing all these things towards, towards us. And if I were to ask you, why is he doing all of that? You could walk away from a passage like this and say, man, we're pretty great. I mean, if he's willing to do all those things for me, there must be something pretty special about me. But then you come to the end of verse 3. And with great clarity, the psalmist says, here's why he does all that he does. Do you see it right there? He leads me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. All those things that he does, the loving, the caring, the shepherding, the providing, he does it for his name's sake. And you might be wondering, well, what does it mean to do something for one's name's sake? It's, it's to make one known, to to make one's abilities, to make one's attributes. That's why he's doing it. He was like, I'm putting these on display. I'm, I'm doing this for you, not because you're the point, but because I'm the point. It's not because of you. It's for the sake of his name he does it. It's another way to say that he does these things for his glory. And the New Testament authors understand that it's not just an Old Testament thing. But it's a God thing. And so when Paul writes to the church in Ephesus, in Ephesians chapter one, and he talks about the work of God in our salvation, he says this, he said, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places, even as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world, that we would be holy and blameless before him. In love, he predestined us for adoption as sons, as as daughters. Through Jesus Christ, according to the purpose of his will. But now, Paul, what's the purpose of his will? To the praise of his glorious grace with which he has blessed us in the beloved. The work of saving a people, the work of bringing us from death to life, he does for the praise of his glorious grace. To reveal and to make known just how great and how awesome and how worthy of worship he is. Church, we can be abundantly clear that the reason why God does everything that he does is to glorify himself. God created and does everything to glorify himself. This is the message that we see over and over again in the word of God. When my girls were little, they would do something. And I would say, why did you do that? And their answer would be, I don't know. (laughs) When you say, why did God do what he did? You can't say, I don't know. (laughs) You say, no, it's right there in the Bible. He does it for the praise of his glorious grace. He does it for his namesake. He does it for his glory. But let's be really honest. It's hard to get our minds around. What on earth does that mean? That God does things for his glory. Like that's not something that, that typically is understood readily by us. And so let's, let's break it down. When we talk about him doing things to glorify himself, uh, here's, here's the kind of working definition. To glorify is to make much of someone or something by revealing their attributes, their nature, their character. So when we talk about that God does what he does to glorify himself, he does the things he does, he creates to to make much of who he is by revealing who he is. To show off his character, his nature, his power, his righteousness, his holiness, his love, his kindness, his justice. We would not know who our God is and what he's like. We would not know that he's worthy of our worship and our praise unless he has done the things which he has done. One of the things that I wrote uh, a while back as I dwelt on this was this. God creates and does what no one else can to display that he is the only god when you pull back and you see what god has done what he has made when you attribute it to him you realize there is none like him and the apostle paul said let me just show you that this is exactly the point in romans chapter 1 verse 20 he says this to get our, to help us to help us understand this he says For his invisible attributes, I love that, his his invisible attributes, and then he says, namely, just in case you're wondering what his invisible attributes are, his eternal power and divine nature have been clearly perceived ever since the creation of the world in the things that have been made. You want to know what God is like? You want to know his magnificence and his majesty, his divine power? is on display when you look at the creation. So everything that he does, everything that he creates, is to make much of himself. Now, some people might think, well, well, that's kind of egotistical, that's kind of narcissistic. Well, but the problem (laughs) with thinking that way is like, he's the only one who is worthy to be made much of in the entire world. (laughs) Because none of it would exist apart from, from him. But if you want to get an idea of like what it, what it means to to glorify someone or something. I want to show you something that's it's in my office now. It wasn't there forever. I put it in my office because I kind of wanted it to be a conversation starter piece. But now I'm going to ruin it with one illustration because you'll all know about it and you won't ask me when you go into my office. But there's this. Uh, well, let me let me reveal it to you. What it is, and you'll be like, what? It's uh, there's a bust in my office. It's kind kind of big. And you might say, well, what's, what's that about? Who, who is that? Well, this is a bust of Franklin Delano Roosevelt, one of the presidents of the United States. You'll be like, interesting choice, Pastor Dave. Uh, bust of him in your, in your office. Don't know where you fall politically. I, I didn't choose this bust. It's not there because of his politics or an, anything like that or because he was a man of great character. It, it's not really about that. This bust is a little bit unique because it actually um, sat in the White House during um, FDR's administration. And, uh, and it was sculpted by a man named Paul Cuffrin. And um, the reason why it's in my office is because Paul Cuffrin was my great-grandfather. And, and so he had made this. He was commissioned as an artist to, to do this so that it would be in, in the White House. Um, and I have it there because when you, when you have something like this on display, it shows the skill it shows the abilities of my great grandfather, which were not passed on to me, by the way. Um, in, in this realm, and you can get up close and you can and you can see the, the wrinkles, the muscular, the structure, the eyebrows, ev- everything. And when you look at the sculpture, I could say, I could say to you, "Yeah, my great grandfather—he was—he was a really good sculptor and, and artist." But but when you actually see this bust, you can understand. Oh no, I see what you mean. It's actually on display, and, and it was actually in my grandparents' uh, their lower basement as I was a kid growing up. And so every time we went down there, it would freak us out because we'd see this bust down in, a, in, a, in the basement. And then eventually when my grandparents passed away, it came to my mother, and, and, uh, and they had boxed it up, and it had been in her attic for a number of years. And I was like, where's the bust of FDR? It's kind of a little bit of, of history here. I mean, the thing was in the White House. It should, it should be on display. I mean, this is something that, that, that reveals the abilities of, of your grandfather, my great-grandfather. And so I took it from that box and I put it in my, my office. When we talk about God doing what he does for his glory, he, he is saying, when you look at the creation, when you look at the world that I've made, it gives you an indication of who I actually am. how how great and powerful I am. And you're a part of that, and and I'm a part of that creation. And and so when it talks about God doing what he does to bring glory to himself, he's he's making known what otherwise would be hidden or revealed. And so every time I I look at this, I think, yes, great abilities of of my great-grandfather. But when we look at the creation, when we look at one another, what we're saying is like each person, each person, thing was created to make our God known so everything that he created everything that he does is to glorify himself now why does that matter to us why do we need to know this it matters to us because it means your purpose in this life is to glorify God You are part of the creation which God has made, so you do not have to guess at, why am I here? What am I supposed to be doing with my life? The answer is, you were made to bring God glory. Knowing this gives your life purpose, gives your life meaning, it gives you understanding. No one was an accident. You see, we exist To make as human beings the awesomeness of God known, the attributes of God known. And one of the ways I like to illustrate it is to say that we are telescopes and not microscopes. You see, a microscope takes something which is small and magnifies and makes it big, a telescope takes something that is huge. And massive, but, but far off, and, and it takes it and it tries to, to give you some sense of the magnitude of that thing. And so when you look at the stars in the sky, you can say, oh, they're so tiny, they're, they're so small. Put a, a telescope on it, and you realize that thing that you think is not significant is actually far larger than you could ever imagine. And so our lives and all of creation is to say, God is real and he is there. And in your life and my life, we're making him known. We're, we're pulling back the veil, if you will, and we're putting him fully on display. In fact, that's why the mission of our church, which we have held to and leads and guides us in everything that we do, starts with this. We exist to glorify God. We exist to glorify God. That is our mission because that is what God's purpose in the world is. Everything that he made was made to glorify him. And for you and for me, as members of his creation, God has called us to glorify him in a very special way. Unlike anything else in creation, the Bible tells us in Genesis 1:27, a passage that I hit on often when God says, so God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him male and female. He created them. What does that mean? Now you begin to get at it. What does it mean to be made in the image of God? If, if all of creation was made to glorify God, but then we were made in his image, there's something unique about us in all the creation that, that when we look at each other, when we engage one another, we are the part of creation that is able to put on display those character and attributes of God that, that only can be displayed in relationship That we can see love and justice and and holiness and goodness and, and patience and kindness. We were made in God's image. We were created for the purpose of and the ability to reflect God's character, nature, and attributes. That's why you're on this planet. This is your purpose and mine. It's to show off. It's to make much of who God is. And and only human beings can do this in this unique way. I mean, this is the part of the sermon where I'm tempted to make you do this, but but I'm not going to, where I would like you to turn to your neighbor and say, you're special and I'm special. <laughs> not, not because of, of anything you, intrinsic in you other than you were created. The only part of creation that you can look at your neighbor and say, gosh, they are special because God made them in his image and, and he made me in their image. And, and so sometimes I tell you to look at one another and say you're no good. But this is one of those times where I'm like, no, you're, you are actually unique apart from anything else you see. And this is where the other way I like to think about this is to say that we are moons and we're not suns. I don't know who said it first, but I, but I love that illustration of what it means to be an image bearer of God. When, when you look at the moon, does the moon produce light on its own? Oh, that is not a trick question. If it, no, <laughs> it's a rock. It floats around the earth. It orbits if you want to get specific. And, but the reason why when you look at it, it looks like it emits light is because it's reflecting the power of the sun. And in the same way, your life and my life is to reflect and to make known who our God is. Did you know that that's why you're here on this earth? It's why it's important for us to sometimes stop and to say, "Are, are we, are we all clear on this? Are, are we all moving in the right direction? Do, do we all understand what we, what we mean? When you have expectations of, for, for the church or for other believers, like what expectations should we have? The, the mission of our church, the thing that we want to be about, is to glorify God. You and I are to bring God glory by reflecting His character and nature. But now, here's the thing. This is what we were made for, but how are we doing in it? <laughs> if you were to ask the question, this is what God wants for us, this is what we were made to be, how are we actually living our lives? I I think, being as, being as gentle as I can, a brief survey of the word of God and all of our lives reveals that things are not going as they should. <laughs> I, I think that if you were to pull back and say, does humanity as a whole live to make much of God? I want to quote the author Paul Tripp here and I think he's absolutely accurate there is nothing less natural to us than to live for the glory of another rather than humanity today manifesting with perfection god's character and his attributes i think we see the exact opposite of that i think there is a battle for us to live for ourselves and the, and the Bible makes it abundantly clear why we have this problem. And it's found in Romans chapter 1, verse 18. It says, For the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men. The Bible calls it like it sees it. In reality, humanity is not about God or about His righteousness. It's, it's about something totally other who by their unrighteousness, we suppress the truth. We don't live for His glory. For although they knew God, They did not honor him as God or give thanks to him, but they became futile in their thinking and their foolish hearts were darkened. Verse 25, they exchanged the truth of God for a lie. We worshiped and served the creature rather than the creator, the creator who's blessed forever. See, humanity fails to live to the glory of God. Our lives daily reveal that we are not the reflections that we should be. And the answer as to why we don't is found in Romans 3.23. Now it's gonna make a lot of sense. Romans 3, 23 says, for all have sinned and fall, what? Short of the glory of God. This is what he's talking about. God is to, in your life, in my life, be made much of. God is to be reflected in you. And so we fall short of living for him. And the reason for that is our sin. Our sin keeps us from living the lives that glorify God right about now, you're thinking, well, it started off really nice. Like you were like, hey, we have purpose. We have meaning in life. Look, if we, if we live to God's glory. And then we yank the rug out from underneath us, right? We encounter this problem. Our sin keeps us from living the lives that glorify God. The thing we were made for, we cannot be. And, and if we're being honest with ourselves, even though we now know what it means to live for his glory on our own, we can't do something. We can't change ourselves in order to be restored to those who would seek to glorify him. This is why our mission statement as a church includes something else. See, we exist to glorify God. The second part of our mission statement says by being and making disciples of our Lord and savior, Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ is central to who we are as a church, as a people, because it is in and only through Jesus Christ that you and I can be restored to live as the image bearers that we were created to be. Jesus is the whole point of of everything for us as a church, because without him, we remain in this condition, we remain in this state where you can know what you were made to be, but you can't be it. This is why we say we exist to be and make disciples of Jesus. You see, if I were to do, again, a, a survey of, of most Christians, and I were to ask them a question, tell me, why did Jesus Christ come into the world? Why did he live? Why did he die? Why did he rise from the dead? You would probably get a variety of answers, And they wouldn't be untruthful. They'd be answers that actually the Bible talks about, the the effect of Jesus Christ's work. People would say something like, well, he died and rose to save me from the penalty of sin, to save me so that I won't go to hell, to, to make me a child of God. That's why he came. He did it because he loves me. And I would say, Yes, Jesus is dying and raising from the dead, it saves you from the penalty of sin, it forgives your sins, it saves you from hell, it makes you a child of God, it displays his love in abundance, but that's not the end for which he died. If the purpose of God's creation of you was to bring glory to himself, then what we're gonna find in Second Corinthians chapter five is exactly the same thing this is my favorite passage. I'm just, you know, you're not supposed to have favorite children. You're not supposed to have favorite passages. I just, I really like this one. And I come to it over and over again because it's so clear. For the love of Christ controls us, 2 Corinthians 5.14 says. For we have concluded this, that one has died for all and he died for all. Why? Why did he die? Why did he come? What was the purpose of this? It says so clearly And he died for all that those who live might no longer live for themselves, but for him who for their sake died and was raised. Well, that's the exact same thing that Genesis 1 says. We were made not for ourselves, but we were made for him, to make much of him, to exalt him. And so when Jesus comes to save you, to forgive your sins, to restore you to relationship with the father, it's to restore you and to bring you back to that state where you can be who he created you ultimately to be so that you can live in the purpose that God has for you and it's to make much of him and then it makes complete sense why he goes on in verse 17 and says therefore if anyone is in Christ he is a new creation now, now that translation of new creation it isn't necessarily the, the best translation at getting at what Paul is saying here Because it's not as though he saves you and makes you something completely other than what you what you were. He goes on and explains, if if anyone's in Christ he's a new creation, behold, the old has passed away, and the what? The new has come. What he's talking about here is that you are being renewed, you are being restored. All of this is from God who through Christ, notice the word, reconciled us to himself and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. You were apart from God. And now you've been made new. That means you've been restored to God and who you were made to be. You are a new creation. And then finally, look at verse 20. Therefore, we are ambassadors for God. Do you know what an ambassador is? It's a representative of a king, of a nation in the place where they are. That sounds exactly like you have been made in the image of God. He's bringing you back to, he's making you the ambassadors that you were created to be. This is the work of Jesus. Church, if I can say it as clearly as I can, Paul is saying, don't you see Christ died so that you might have a life, but not just any life. He died so that you and I might have life once again that we were created to have. We are saved by Jesus Christ to live for God's glory. It's why he came. It's why he redeems. It's why he saves. So that you would no longer live for yourself, but for him. That's the old self that cannot live and reflect who God is to the world, who cannot make much of God, but now through Christ we can. He might be saying, oh, Dave, you're making a big deal of one passage in 2 Corinthians. Well, 1 Corinthians says, you are not your own, for you were bought with a price. So glorify God in your body. The whole purpose of your redemption is to be who you were created to be. To be someone who when people look at you now... You are living in light of the God who saved you, and, and you know what it means to to walk in love, in joy, and peace, to put on display the God who saved you. And you're like, oh, well, Dave, that's just Paul inspired by God. Well, let's see what Peter says, inspired by God. When Peter wrote to the church, he said this, I love this passage. But you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a people for his own possession. Why are we all those things? That you may proclaim the excellencies of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. You see, once you were not a people, but now you're God's people. Once you had not received mercy, but now you receive mercy. And all God doing all of that is so that you glorify him. And then you say, but that's Peter and that's John. Well, how about Jesus? Will he do Jesus spoke in Matthew chapter 5, words that are going to make a lot of sense, maybe to you for the first time. Before Peter said it, before Paul said it, Jesus said it in Matthew 5, 16. In the same way, let your light shine before others. Why? So that they may see your good works and do what? Give glory to your Father who is in heaven. Jesus says, when you become my people, the whole purpose is that now you have been made these lights in the world because you're a moon. You're not a sun, but you're reflecting and in your good works. And he's not talking about feeding the poor and doing different tasks. He's talking there about living out God's very character and his attributes, making him fully on display. I grew up in the church singing the song, this little light of mine, I'm gonna let it shine. And some of you are like, what are you talking about? talking about. Well, if you grew up in the church, you know it. It says, hide it under a bushel. No, No, right? I'm going to let it shine. What that song is saying, what, what we have here from the lips of Jesus is saying, don't you see? This is who you were made to be. This is your purpose. This is why I came. And so even a passage, when you understand this, it helps you inform passages like when Jesus said, for God so loved the world, that he gave his one and only son that whoever believes in him should not perish, but have what? Everlasting or eternal life. And that's not a statement about living forever. That's a statement about being restored to the life that you were created from the beginning. We were not made to die spiritual deaths. We were made to continue existing to give God glory. And so he's saying, I'm coming to give you the life that you were supposed to have, which is why in John 10 he says, I came that you may have life and have it abundantly. It's all so clearly there if we have eyes to see. You want to get your purpose back? You want to live the life that you were created for? It's only through Jesus Christ. It's why our mission statement is what it is. If you want to know what Valley Center Community Church is going to be about a year from now, five years from now, Ten years from now, if by the grace of God, we're still here, we're going to say we exist to glorify God by being and making disciples of Jesus because it's only through Jesus, it's only by being a disciple of him that I can live to the glory of God. And this is why Jesus said it when he went back up into heaven, right before he goes back up, the last words to his disciples in Matthew 28 are this, all authority in heaven and earth has been given to me, Jesus says. All authority. Not some, but all authority. Go, therefore, and make what? Disciples of all the nations because I've come to once again see the earth filled with people who have been brought from death to life who are living as image bearers of God. And you're gonna do this in your going by baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and of the Holy Spirit and teaching them to obey everything I've commanded For, lo, I'm with you always, even to the end of the age. We're so focused as a church about bringing the gospel to the lost and bringing the gospel to our hearts daily because it's in and only through Jesus Christ that we can, can live out what it is that we were created to be. But because of Jesus Christ, we absolutely can. Isn't that marvelous? Isn't that such a beautiful thing? So many people are striving. They're like, what's my purpose What's my design in this life? Some people actually, they get a little disappointed with church. Like, what's, what's church supposed to be about? It's not to meet your felt needs. It's not to show you how to be a better mom or a better dad or any of those things. The, the church exists in the world to do what? Glorify God. To make much of him and to, and to help you live a life in which you understand what it means to be and make disciples so that you can live to his glory. Now, the only way that you and I get in on this, because I, I look at... at a group of people like we have here today, and, and I talk about my church family. And so when I preach, I, I'm, I'm preaching primarily to those who are part of my church family. But I, but I know that there are some people here who, who haven't taken the first step to entering into this kind of life. Because it all begins with acknowledging that you need Jesus. That your life hasn't been lived to his glory. It's been lived to your own. And, and until you confess your sin, until you repent and say, I need you to forgive my sins, to, to come into my life so that I can experience the righteousness and the redemption. I need you to make me a new creation. You can't live in your purpose, but, but I'm here to tell you that once you do that, this is where I wanna close with saying, I, I hope what I'm about to say next will be such an encouragement to you. You see, when you and I get this and when we know this, it is so freeing. It's so, so freeing because what it means for you, what it means for me is this. in And through Jesus Christ, no matter what season of or station of life you're in, you can fulfill the purpose for which you were created. There are people who think that in order to, to have a life of meaning as a Christian, I gotta do great things for God, whatever that means, they're like, something stupendous has to, has to happen. I, I need to, to move mountains. I, I need to, to go and do this thing or do that thing. God will only be pleased with me if, if, I, if I accomplish something of significance for him. And God says, I don't need you to do anything except make my character and attributes and my power known in the world. And so it doesn't matter if you're single or you're married, your purpose, like if you're single, you you get to say, oh, I don't need marriage to fulfill me, to live the life that God has created me to live, because as a single person, I go out into the world, and I can say, the relationships that he's given me, the job that he's given me, those are the environments, those are the places where I get to make him known, because Jesus freed me to no longer live for myself, but for him. I mean, that's your purpose. It's so freeing because you're like, should I take this job or do that thing? It's about saying, wherever I am, I'm going to put God on display. And if you're married, what a beautiful thing! I love saying this. What if, what if your marriage isn't about making you happy? What if instead, marriage is simply about that place where God wants you to make much of Him? And that's exactly what it is. And so if you're married, you're like, I wanna, I wanna make who my God is known to my spouse. Like that's my first thing. And God is, God is glorified in that. I think about the, the moms who are at home with their, with their kids and they're caring for them. And when they're, when they're sick, when a mother sacrificially takes care of a child and doesn't give in to, to anger, but shows patience and gentleness, she's putting God's character on display. And God is pleased and God is glorified when a dad is providing for his family and coming alongside and teaching and training his children in the word of, of God, he's, he's glorifying. You don't need as, as someone who's a worker to get your identity and your fulfillment in your job. Your job is just a means to make God known. And then, and then we have a lot of old people in our church, like really old people. Did you know that? And I'm not going to tell you how old is really old, but some of you are old. And and when I think about old people, I think about your life's not done yet. He hasn't taken you home. You're like, what's my purpose? What can I do here? Do you know how powerful it is when really old people aren't bitter and, and, and aren't complaining or aren't fretting, but instead showing younger generations what it is to die well? By showing love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Every day with your aches and your pains, you're coming and you're saying, I can still put God on display. I so love that God's word is so abundantly clear on what God's plan and purpose is for his people my prayer is that we would continually see it with the clarity that his word has displayed it today and that as a church going forward, this is why we would embrace this mission and live to his glory and live to his honor. May the Lord help us. Amen? Amen. Let's, let's pray together. Oh, Heavenly Father, you are oh so good. Your goodness is, is displayed in that you've given us the breath of life. And that even in our darkness and in our sin you come and you rescue and redeem the unworthy and you bring us back to yourself. And you make us these new creations in which we can once again live out the purpose for which we were made. The Lord help us to embrace this. Whereas Paul Tripp said it goes against our nature to live for the glory of another, Lord, may that never be so now that the spirit of God resides in your sons and daughters. That now we say, no, my life is living for his praise, for his glory, and that, Lord, when we are weak and when we fail, that we wouldn't throw our hands up and say we're not his, but instead we would say, no, the blood of Christ covers this and gives us and empowers us to live as his ambassadors once again. And for anyone, Lord, in this room that's not yet experienced what it means to be saved into this newness of life, Lord, I pray today that they would confess and know Christ as Savior. And that over the next few weeks, as we explore in greater detail how this works itself out in our life, Lord, may we be open fully to what you would reveal. To the praise and glory of your name, we ask it and all God's people said, amen and amen.